Hi, welcome to episode 490 of the Fantastic Forecast. I'm Dave Elliott. And I was wondering, how can Marvel publish a Civil War 2 when most of the original Civil War was retconned out of existence by Mephisto? It doesn't make sense to me. Today it's Fantastic Four, Volume 3, Number 61, a.k.a. Fantastic Four, 490, from November 2002. 24 blocks and one blockhead by Mark Wade and Mike Weringo. And this issue features what I once called one of the worst FF covers ever. Uh, Mike Weringo really drew the worst thing. He's got, like, lips. He's got lips for crying out loud. And for some reason, he drew the upper lip as a smooth area without any bricks. It looks like he's got a monkey face. Well, anyway, I'm not going to say too much more about the art. You know, kind of sad. So, the issue begins in the kitchen, where Ben has opened a package with a spring-loaded pie that pops up into his face. It includes a note saying that it's from the Yancey Street Gang. I can't imagine in a post-9-11 world that a post office would willingly ship a spring-loaded pie. So three minutes earlier, in Reed's office, Reed has Sue hooked up to some device with a big bowl thing on her head, which is supposed to verify whether or not Sue is being mind-controlled by the Puppet Master. What happened to make him suspicious? Did she turn him down for sex? Actually, Reed thinks something is wrong with her because she made a proposal regarding Johnny, something that she says will help him grow up because he still acts like a child a lot of the time. Reed says that the mission that she proposes for him is dangerous, and if it fails, it could jeopardize the entire future of the Fantastic Four. And then she says, But if he pulls it off... They're interrupted by the sound of Ben yelling from the pie that he just took in the face. Everyone runs into the kitchen to find Ben stomping on the package with a face covered in pie. Sue points out that the Yancey Street Gang has been sending him joke packages for years, and in the future, he might want to improve his screening process. Considering the, the Fantastic Four don't have secret identities, and supervillains everywhere know who they are and where they live, shouldn't they already have a very extensive screening process for the mail, like x-rays and stuff? Why doesn't Doctor Doom just send them anthrax if they're going to open any package without screening it first? Sue notices that the novelty shop that sold the rigged-up spring-loaded pie accidentally left a sales receipt in the box. Can you do that? Can you go to a novelty shop and order a spring-loaded pie to send someone in the mail? And now, Ben wants to go down to the novelty shop and find out who ordered that pie. He starts to stomp away, saying he's going to mutilate the person responsible. Johnny looks very nervous. So much so that he heats up and accidentally flames on, and Sue has to put a force field around him. Ben is gone, but Sue, she figures it out. It's been Johnny sending these packages all these years. He says, They were funny! Besides, you know the kind of stuff he does to me. What? What kind of stuff does Ben do to Johnny? Oh, I better not try to jump to any conclusions. He's probably talking about practical jokes. Outside, Ben is stomping down the street, scaring people, knocking stuff over, putting dents in the sidewalk. Isn't that vandalism? 
shouldn't he get arrested? Before he gets to the novelty shop, Johnny flies by and tells Ben to calm down, it was only a joke. The Yancey Street Gang were only kidding. He doesn't want to tell Ben that it was him, but he's trying to get Ben to calm down and not go to the novelty shop and find out who actually sent that pie. Ben rips open a fire hydrant and sprays Johnny with water. Then he starts walking away as Johnny tries to stop him, but then Ben swats him back through the window of a hair salon, setting off a fire alarm and ruining everybody's hairstyles. Oh, what a tragedy. Johnny flies back out and tries to stop Ben again, but then Ben picks up a car, surely that's illegal, and dumps the people out of the car onto the road. Okay, that's gotta be illegal. And he throws the car at Johnny. Definitely not legal. The car is ruined and Johnny falls back into a water fountain. Johnny gets out and asks Ben to let him talk to the person responsible. And Ben says, be my guest. He'll be at Mercy General if he's lucky. Back in Reed's lab, he's hard at work and singing to himself. And this is bad news. Very bad news for you because here's what he's singing. Oh, the genome's connected to the protonomic spectralizer. The protonomic spectralizer is connected to the intracytoplasmic injector grid. The intracytoplasmic injector grid is connected to the... But then there's a, some kind of power outage and the lights go off. He continues to work for a minute, but then he remembers it could be some kind of attack. You think, Reed? And he better go check on the children. Who would be safe if he left them on the moon, or at the Stern Academy, or another dimension, or anywhere other than the Baxter Building? He finds Franklin in Valeria's room, and whoever decorated the room is a complete lunatic. There's these weird teeth all over the floor and the walls. And Franklin says, It's screaming! It's screaming! Reed picks up the kids and notices that Franklin's face is covered in little spiders. And... They've eaten out his eyes. It's disgusting and disturbing. And my favorite panel of the issue, which I'll be posting all my favorite panels on my Twitter account at Dave Elliott at Podcast FF. So Reed runs out of the room, looks at Franklin again, and Franklin's face is back to normal, eyes and all. Back outside, Ben is still looking for that address, and Johnny's trying to stop him. He's also flying around, yelling out that he's being chased by a scroll causing all the people on the street to panic and flee. These guys are just straight up assholes. It's kind of like yelling fire in a crowded theater, yelling scroll in a crowded city. Ben takes a look at the address again, and the address is 399 East 23rd Street. But when they get there, there isn't a building with that address. So Ben just tosses the piece of paper aside and walks away, and Johnny's secret is safe. However, Johnny is left wondering what happened to that building? He starts to fly away, and behind him, the building starts to reappear, comes, becomes visible, and out comes his sister, Sue. She calls back to him, and he thanks her profusely for saving his ass. Sue, on the other hand, still seems agitated with her brother, and she tells him to follow her. She's got a special mission for him. Back at the Baxter building, Sue gives Johnny something else to wear, and takes his FF uniform to a very special washing machine. One with a setting for unstable molecules. I always thought that this clothing made out of unstable molecules would be easier to clean. Why would you need a special washing machine for that? Johnny comes out wearing an expensive suit, and Sue tells him not to flame on because the suit isn't made of unstable molecules. 
She takes him to another level of the building where they have their corporate headquarters where they have people, like real people, working for them. Real employees working in an office. Since when do they have employees? Since now, I guess. What normal person would want to work there anyway? I wouldn't, unless they paid me a lot. Sue says that she wants Johnny to work as the newest executive at Fantastic Four Incorporated. That's kind of nepotistic, isn't it? Well, not kind of. It's totally nepotistic. Johnny asks, Have I ever even been here before? Sue tells Johnny that there's got to be more to life than working on cars and watching episodes of the Tom Green Show. Ouch. There's a reference that got very dated very quickly. She tells Johnny he needs to work, and she's making him the chief financial officer of the company. What? Really? Aren't the other employees going to revolt? I'm sure most of them are college educated, and Johnny is a college dropout. Dropped out because he burnt the school down. I'm sure many of them have business degrees and accounting and economics and... She's making him the chief financial officer? Johnny seems just as surprised as I am. He's more qualified to work in the mailroom or run errands and get coffee for the real employees. And she really puts the pressure on him, saying that if he doesn't succeed, he'll ruin the family. Don't screw up, she warns him. And she leaves him sitting there, alone in his office, looking stunned. And that is the end of the issue. And it says, coming in the next issue, Johnny screws up. Of course he does. Has Sue lost your mind? Johnny is the least important member of the Fantastic Four. I think only once or twice has he ever helped defeat a supervillain. Since most of them are impervious to flames, and the ones who aren't, he's not going to burn them alive. So he's really only useful when they're fighting common run-of-the-mill robots. Now, I've only read these issues once before, like 14 years ago, so I don't remember what happens next. But this has got to be some kind of practical joke on Johnny, you would think. I guess we'll find out next time. And that means I'm done. If you have any questions about the Fantastic Four, about this podcast, or if you need relationship advice, you can email me at podcastff at gmail.com. Follow me on Twitter, uh, download other episodes at iTunes, find them all at www.podcastff.podbean.com. So long, kids. This podcast is over. Yeah, 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 yeah.